If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of And Security for All. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. If this is your first time tuning into our show, welcome. I hope everyone's ready for the weekend. Many of us in the Midwest and probably a lot of people in the Southwest just watched the sun finally come out and melt away all this snow we had. So hopefully everyone can get out and, of course, social distance and get a little sunshine if you're lucky enough. I'm also the CEO of FutureCon Events, which produces cybersecurity events all over North America. Normally, I travel all over the country, but of course, for the past year, we have been doing cybersecurity events with industry leaders, industry companies, almost every week virtually. FutureCon has been bringing great content, tons of advice, education, lessons learned for all these challenging times with the ongoing cyber threats as we continue to see almost every day on the news. FutureCon Events is actually a newer company. I started it a little over three years ago. I had previously founded another company similar, and I ran that for 20 years. I had decided I wanted to rebrand my career with the ever-evolving change in cybersecurity. It was time to take a leap into the future, and that brought me to the creation of FutureCon Events, where we are your cybersecurity headquarters. The FutureCon community is growing rapidly. Not only do we produce educational cybersecurity conferences, we have a weekly CISO podcast, and now this new show and security for all. We are one of the number one places to go to get the latest information on staying informed and gaining knowledge that keeps you updated on the future of the cyber world. I have um, been in the industry for over 20 years. I spent almost 10 years prior to that in the Navy. Six years was active duty. Four years was reserve time. I've worked and continued to work with some of the top security leaders in the world. Once again, I'm excited to have another great guest who is an internationally recognized cybersecurity leader, technologist, and a keynote speaker, and an author. Today's show, we are going to discuss the human element of cybersecurity. The human element, what does that mean? How How does cybersecurity have human components? What is the human factor? Well, as we all know, humans are prone to make mistakes. No one can debate that. When it comes to security, one minor mistake can lead to a major data breach, and it happens all day, every day, globally. Last year, pre-COVID, for those of you that are not in the industry, there's a huge conference called RSA. It is a global conference that happens once a year. It brings about 40,000 attendees back in the good days when we used to travel and get to go to these fun events. But the theme last year in 2020 was the human element. 
I, I would wonder, and I think, the topics on that conference one year later, what would it look like now, today, since the world has changed and now we face deeper issues when it comes to the human element, since the majority of the world went home to work. Last week, I had a guest on my show. He was a real-life victim that lost everything on an insider threat. He had a striving... Um, business and because of the lack of training and not understanding zero trust he had to shut his business down lay off 100 employees all because of trust um he trusted these people and they took everything so last week we talked about some basic type of attacks it was very basic we talked about some phishing attacks easy ones that scam people out of their money on a daily basis with disguised bank information playing on people's financial emotions of thinking they've already been hacked when all along they're just being set up to lose at times everything so today my guest is going to dive into some deeper attacks and discuss how the human element of cybersecurity poses new challenges. We will talk, talk more about phishing attacks. We'll talk about some other attacks, spear phishing and whaling attacks. We'll discuss some newer ransomware attacks and some security predictions for 2021. This episode is really not to scare you, but maybe it should scare you. I hope you can walk away today equipped with more info, knowledge, and ideas of resources to use to keep your businesses, your homes, your families safe to this ongoing war of cyber threats and attacks. I have just the person today to share the insights of really almost everything when it comes to all these latest attacks and the new attacks with the insight on predictions and thoughts of what we've already seen in 2021 because we've already seen a lot and what else is in store. Dan Lorman is an internationally recognized cybersecurity leader, technologist, keynote speaker, author. He has served for global organizations in a variety of executive leadership capacities. He has received numerous awards. He's received the Chief Security Officer of the Year, Public Official of the Year, and Computer World Premier 100 IT Leader. Dan has also been awarded the Cybersecurity Breakthrough Chief Information Security Officer of the Year for Global Security Products Service Companies. He's led Michigan's government cybersecurity and technology infrastructure teams from 2002 to 2014. He currently serves as the Chief Security Officer, Chief Strategist for Security Mentor. He has advised leaders at the White House, the National Governors Association, National Estate, National Association of State of CIOs, U.S. Department of Homeland Security, Federal, State, Local Government Agency, Fortune 500 companies, small business, nonprofit institution. Dan sounds like he pretty much has done it all. So welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. It's great to be with you today. Well, you and I met a few years back at a live show in Detroit, and it just yep. goes to show you what an awesome job I have because I have this opportunity to meet and work with people like yourself who are truly fighting the battle of cybercrime. So first off, congratulations on all your accomplishments and awards and all you do in the cybersecurity industry. So Thanks. Dan, yeah. 
You're welcome, Dan. Um, we have a lot to talk about in this very short window. Um, this one-hour show seems to fly by. So let's just start with a little fun fact to break the ice and give our listeners some insight on how you got started in this amazing career. Dan, you've had a long career with many organizations as a chief security officer, but back near the beginning, you almost got fired. So tell us what happened and what you've learned from that experience. Yeah, thanks so much. Again, Kim and I want to echo what everything you've said. You, you've had an amazing career as well. So it's great to be with everyone today. Um, yeah, I take everybody back to 2004. And um, I was the CISO, the Chief Information Security Officer in Michigan. I actually started my career back at NSA in the, in the mid 80s, but um, was in government, was in England with Lockheed and Mantech, uh, was at NSA. Um, and then, but I was in Michigan government. And uh, my boss at the time was Terry Takai, and, and some people will know Terry. Um, she became the C- she was a CIO in Michigan. Uh, she became the CIO for California under Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then the CIO for the U.S. Department of Defense. So she was, you know, she kind of moved <laughs> moved up the ladder, if you will, all the way to the biggest, you know, running the DoD's uh, cybersecurity, uh, all the IT really CIO for DoD. But anyway, at the time, Terry and I had just met. And so I was a new um, new relationship with her, and and the topic at the time, the hot issue at the time, which now of course is pretty ubiquitous, was was Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi was was a kind of a cutting edge technology. Kind of laugh at that now. You can go in the coffee shops, you can go in McDonald's, go everywhere. You know, you get you get Wi-Fi. But but um, you know, it, it was Terry Terry. Early days when I was CSO in Michigan, and you know Governor Granholm had just come in. She just was named um, U.S. Department of Energy Secretary uh, under the Biden administration. But uh, Grant, Governor Granholm was was in was in office. Terry Takai was the CIO, and she said, "Dan, I want to put Wi-Fi in all of our country, co- um, government conference rooms around the state." And that was kind of a cutting edge thing. We didn't have Wi-Fi in, in any of the government buildings, or certainly not in any of the conference rooms, and. I was from NSA background, right, Kim? So you know, I had this view. Um, wait a minute, you know, this is this is a problem. Um, we had done a lot of our homework. Our team had all these white papers from all the three-letter agencies. You know, it was basically, um, you know, CIA, NSA, um, FBI. They all said, "Don't do Wi-Fi. It's bad. It's insecure." And there was all these, you know, war driving was the. This is 20 years ago, right? So people were driving around, getting into people's Wi-Fi. Um, in in literally, you could drive into parking lots and somebody it was a big story somebody got into home depot and i think lowe's um they were able to like hack their cash register from the parking lot so all these horrible stories and i had all these reasons why wi-fi was a bad idea so anyway we went to this um we went to this uh conference um room meeting uh, staff meeting and terry and we got to the agenda item about 15 minutes into this one hour meeting and Terry said to me, okay, Dan, tell us all how we're going to put Wi-Fi in all of our government conference rooms in Michigan and how we're going to do this securely. And I just, I said, well, Terry, I've decided I'm canceling this project, right? And I handed out these sheets to all the people around the room and, you know, there's about 10 people in the room and saying, you know, here's all the data behind, you know, I had a stack of white papers of why this was a bad idea. And uh, and Terry just looked at me, you know, you could, you could cut the air with a knife, it was silence. And she said, I'd like everybody to leave the room, but Dan. <laughs> so I've never seen a government conference room empty so fast. Everyone just kind of ran out of the room. Here I am sitting, you know, looking at Terry Takai, you know, eye to eye. And she said, Dan, I got something to tell you. And I said, what's that? She said, if that's your answer, you can't be the CISO in Michigan. You can't be the chief security officer. And I was like dumbfounded. I'm like, what? 
you know, um, I, I was absolutely, you know, freaking out. I said, Terry, you don't understand. Let me explain to you why, you know, we, this is a bad idea. We shouldn't do this. And she said, no, Dan, I want to, I want to, you need to listen to me. I understand why you're saying all of these things. And Terry had a background at Ford Motor Company. She was, you know, up to that point, you know, she hadn't been to California DOD yet, but she was very, very accomplished. She said, I've been to Dow, Ford, Chrysler, and GM. They all have Wi-Fi in their conference rooms. What do they know that you don't know? I'm giving you one week to, um, I'm giving you one week to come up with a plan to give us Wi-Fi or you're, you know, you're fired. And I was like, completely shocked right and I, I went back to my team and we're like um you know terry uh said that we're gonna do this so we contacted all these companies we came up with their plan we came back in a week we did do wi-fi in michigan government in fact two years later we win the award for top wi-fi in government for all 50 states um for security and for all the things we did but the reason i tell the story kim is it really kind of was a real paradigm shift in my career. And that is this, we're going to go through ways people can protect their data. But that moment for me was really kind of a paradigm change. It was like, you can't just say no, you've got to get to yes, you've got to get to solutions that work, that, you know, people can use the technology, but they also can get their work done, right? Because if you don't get, can't get your work done, then, you know, why do you need cybersecurity? So um, bottom line, you know, and, and you know, fast forward, um, I hear a lot of security pros, you know, can't do cloud you can't do bring your own device to work you can't do this you can't do that and they can't give you answers and, and, and really give you solutions and i learned you know you've got to be able to get to solutions and provide answers and not just problems and so i learned a lot through that story and i almost got fired but i kept my job terry and i are still friends today so that's good news well that's awesome and you know that's that kind of goes right back to we have these events all the time, and we'll have a couple hundred people there. Some are decision makers that are the that are the you know C level executives, but then you've got the directors and the managers that are passionate about if we do this, it'll work. But you know, I guess you're going to have to be persistent to get those ears to open up as you go up to the chain of command because. Yep. I mean, we see this happen all the time. And, you know, since we kind of went back to, I don't know, the 80s, if I go all the way back to the 80s, because I was still part of that in high school, <laughs> but, <laughs> but not all of it. But um, I know earlier, like in my career, you know, I've been in the, this industry for 20 something years. So you back 20 years ago, you weren't hearing the word phishing attacks, but yeah. What, I, what I'm interested in is when you were working in that organization, did you, how prevalent did leaders as yourself worry about like the human element? Like, was that even in terminology, for example, that the employee sitting in his cubicle maybe clicks on a link? And what I remember back then is maybe you'd get some sort of attack that there was some web crawler, you know, in your infrastructure. How did we go from that to where we are now with phishing attacks that have evolved into what they are today? And when did those words come into play, phishing attacks? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I remember when I, I first joined Michigan government in 97. So, um, and it was like almost no security at all. I mean, it was literally people were hardly using passwords. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, certainly in the early days, it was more about viruses and worms. You know, we had AOL in the 90s. And then in the early 2000s, um, it certainly um, 
you know, more and more, as you as you said, it was web attacks, web crawlers, um, Wi-Fi, you know, hacking Wi-Fi and war driving were much bigger. Um, you know, they say phishing, if you go to Wikipedia, started in the in the late 90s. It really became really um, much more of a, of a threat probably about a decade ago, you know, really 2005, 2007, um, you know, that kind of time frame, you know, we started seeing more and more of that. But as people, you know, the social media became much more of a um, popular uh Thing that you know, Facebook and and people um, being able, to, you know, quicker ways to access data, links in emails and and much more interactive content became better. The bad guys will follow where, if you will, where the action is. Right? They're gonna they're gonna go where the people are. And people say, why do people rob banks? Is where all the money is. Right? So I mean, I think you know. We did see this, you know, early, early days, um, you know, maybe 20 years ago. It certainly has grown to a point now where it's it's like one of the preferred, one of the top three ways that people access, um, get get access into enterprises with the bad actors. You know, you'd say really kind of three ways, and that is, you know, phishing, and we're going to talk about different types of phishing, unpatched networks. If they if, if people don't have those updates on their networks and, and patches, and then RDP, which is remote uh, desktop, those are probably the top three ways that the bad actors get access in enterprise networks now. So certainly in the last decade, it, it's just taken off and exploded. Um, and we're going to talk about ransomware too, but ransomware is another thing. You know, it's just it's just become like the one of the vectors of choice because it's the easiest thing to use for the bad guys. So, because this show is called Ant Security for All, I try to keep things a little simplified, but still on a higher level for sure. all of the practitioners listening. But I, I gave a really basic example of a phishing attack, you know, which is disguised banks. But let's um, just jump into some of these type of phishing attacks. And for those who have never heard the word spear phishing and whaling attacks, you want to cover each of those and give us some examples of each each of those Sure, sure. At a basic level, you know, phishing, people need to realize, too, it doesn't just have to be links and emails. It could be a link and email, but it could also be a phone call. It could be a fax. It could be anything that gets you to give data that, you know, normally you would not give. If they, the bad actor is going to get you to text you something, make make a phone call, and then trick you into giving up some personal data, that could be a fish. So the phishing attack is generally pretty wide. It's kind of a shotgun to lots and lots of people to see who, you know, who will click. Spear phishing gets a little bit more targeted they know some data about you they've done some homework i just got one yesterday kim in my email um and a lot of these are being blocked by like gmail and, and different email servers for most companies but a lot of them still get through and so this one had some information they had my home address it looked like it was from um this one looked like it was from ups but there's um, ones that have come out recently that look like they come from fedex or dhl or you know you've got a package coming in today click on this link just tempting you uh, with a little bit more data about you that looks like, hey, this could be legitimate. They know my email address. I mean, they know my home address. They know a little bit more information about my company or my, my situation. And that's more of a spear 
watching because it's more targeted at your company, your bank, you know, a friend. It's got some information about you. And then whaling would be uh, what we call going after the big fish, if you will. So the bad actors are like, hey, let's hone in and super spearfish, if you will, go go further. And they're going to be able to go after the, like, you know, if you will, a CEO of a company or the CFO, the chief financial officer. And, and so an example of that, the FBI talked about a person and they do a lot of homework and a lot of data. They may even take months to gather data around someone. True story, the FBI has a lot of these stories. You can go to their website and you can read about a lot of these um, of a larger corporation. They were able to hack someone's uh, Gmail account. And rather than just you know trying to scam them right away, they just sat in there and they watched what happened. This individual actually was going on a real fishing trip, like catching, you know, fish to eat with his friends every year. And he was he was on uh, he was on vacation and they were actually in his Gmail account, sent an email back to his um, administrative assistant. Um, it, and it was actually a response to an email that she had sent to him. So th- this was not using the corporate email. They kind of went around the normal processes, which is one of the things the bad guys like to do. Go after your home accounts, your home email, you know, not necessarily use things that are being protected by the corporate uh, security. And they and they said, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm away. You know, I'm fishing with my friends. Hey, can you please do this transfer for me? Millions of dollars. Um, and 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 uh, I'll, I'll do all the paperwork. You know, they, they listed all the forms that they were going to do. And I'll do that Monday when I get back. Well, guess what? You know, this was over a Gmail, you know, a, a, a Gmail account that, that, that this was sent. But the, but the bottom line was the admin thought it was real. And so anything they can do to trick people to um, go around the normal processes, to go around the normal checks and balances, to get you to transfer something, maybe maybe it's money, but maybe it's tax returns, maybe it's sensitive information, anything they can do to get you to take actions and, 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 and have a big impact, like, you know, literally in some cases, this was millions of dollars, but, you know, large impact, that's what whaling's all about. So do you think the CFOs are the biggest targets and the biggest ones that are open the door, opening the door for these newer ransomware attacks? It's certainly CFOs, CEOs um, for, you know, for whaling. Absolutely. Um, you know, anybody. It could also be people in the finance department that do the transfers for the CFOs. So tricking the people that directly report to those people. So, you know, anybody that's got the authority to transfer money in and out of bank accounts, Anybody that's got the you know keys of the kingdom, if you will, those are those are certainly uh, some of them. Um, when we start talking about ransomware, you know, it could be anybody because the bad actors are just trying to get a foothold into the organization and then um, you know go sideways, if you will, um, gain more administrative access gain um, a foothold into these organizations and then encrypt your data, and that's really what the ransomware is about. Um, and, and, and really, and then try and, you know, extort money. So then they're going to come back and say, hey, um, you know, if you don't pay, in some cases, millions of dollars and, and the ransoms are going up, 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 we're going to, we're going to, um, we're not going to give you your data back. You know, we're not going to give you the, 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 the encryption key. What is the chance of surviving these attacks? I mean, are there statistics out there? You know, it really depends. There aren't any good statistics. I mean, I think it really depends on a couple quick things, Kim, I mentioned. It, you know, it certainly depends on do you have tested backups that are offline, that, that really work? If You know, people, people say, well, I have backups. Well, the bad actors want to get into your networks 
and then they're going to try and destroy those backups. And online backups are great or cloud backups that you can access, but the bad actors are going to get into your environment. They're going to try and g gain access to as much as they possibly can, put in backdoors, do different things, and gain as much of a foothold as possible and make it so that when they hit the button and, and encrypt your data, you're almost in a position where you have to pay. And so if you've got good backups offline that are tested and you do it regularly, then you have a very good chance of not having to pay and being able to restore your data. If you don't have that, when that ransomware hits, you're going to be really up a creek. It's going to be almost impossible. Um, and and the, and the you know there's no no there's no one number out there. I mean, um, different people say it's 50-50 pay. Some people think it's even as a much higher than that pay because a lot of ransomware attacks are never reported to the police. Um, so the, the challenge is we don't have really good numbers, but we know that the numbers of ones that are being reported is skyrocketing. In 2020, they say about 100% increase over 2019, and 2019 was like 180% from 2018. So the numbers of, of ransomware attacks is just skyrocketing. It's probably the number one attack right now. So what are some of the newer ransomware attacks that you've seen in 2021? Is there anything different that you're seeing? Sure, sure. There's there's a number of different things that they're doing, and you know one of the, one of the trends. I, mean, I could name some names, but keeping it high level, um, I'll just say one of the trends that's really you know at the end of last year, starting to see it in 21, is 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 the bad actors actually stealing the data or exfiltrating. We call it exfiltrating, basically taking the data and encrypting the data. So uh, what's going on? One of the trends is is uh, so if you don't pay, then they say we're gonna we're gonna threaten to release the data on the dark web we're going to sell your data in some cases they do it anyway um, they'll sell their data and they you know they they may give you the key back but they've also selling the data so that's certainly one trend that's out there um, an interesting story that happened uh, earlier this month it's it's kind of it was announced we don't really know exactly who it was but it was announced by the United Kingdom Cyber Center there was a company in the UK that had a major ransomware attack, paid like 6.5 million pounds, which is around nine to 10 million dollars, US dollars, huge numbers. And um, basically, they th what happened was they got their data back, they paid the ransom, right, uh, Kim? And then um, because they didn't make any changes when they got their data back, um, they got hit again two weeks later. <laughs> so they got they got it back, but I don't know if they went on vacation or what they did, but they didn't <laughs> actually take that they didn't take that opportunity to, to take the proper steps and do that backups like I talked about and, and put the protections in place and put the patches in place, protect their networks. The bad actors came right back, hit them again, they had to pay another six point five million uh, British pounds, another nine million, ten million dollars. So crazy that that would happen um but yeah i mean you're starting to see this this kind of a thing so we got some names of, of different ones that are out there that's still probably the top names for ransomware are um um uh revel um and then soden um those are probably still the top top two out there right now but some new ones that came out is um exorcist and uh namist um are, are two ones that are that are really hot right now in in 2021 Wow. Well, that's uh, we could probably spend, you know, yeah. 
a whole nother show talking about, I, I wanted to kind of get deeper into ransomware and a lot of other things. We're getting ready to take a short break. So we're going to come back. Um, you um, Welcome everyone to And Security for All and welcome my guest, Dan Lorman. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the top uh, 2021 security predictions um, that Dan uh, had written an article about in government technology. And we'll probably tap into a little bit more of some of these ransomware attacks. I had a couple of other questions about legal ramification. If we're seeing any of these, are these bad actors getting caught? So we will be back um, in about two minutes. And thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureConHQ. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to and security for all with kim hakem to reach the show today with your questions or comments for kim or her guest please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to k at futureconevents.com now back to and security for all Welcome back to our show and security for all. I am Kim Hake. I'm your host. Today I have Dan Lorman. He's an internationally recognized cybersecurity leader, technologist, keynote speaker, author. The first half of our show, we discuss different types of cyber threats, phishing, spear phishing, whaling attacks, and some of the new ransomware attacks. Recently, Dan published an article in Government Technology. He uh, posted this. And or he published this in Dece- on December twenty second, two thousand twenty. 
the top 21 security predictions for 2021, Dan stated in his article. As we recover, these were Dan's words, as we recover from the worst pandemic in the century, what will the new year bring in the cyberspace? Here's your annual roundup of security industry forecast trends, themes, and cybersecurity predictions. Well, Dan, we're gonna let's spend some time talking about that. But one of my first questions I have from for you is can you briefly tell us about some of these not so positive feedback or some of this not so positive feedback from some of your colleagues and other industry leaders on the thought of it might be impossible to make these predictions with all that's happened in 2020 with the pandemic that ended up a year with solar winds which continues to challenge cybersecurity teams is it really possible to make 2021 predictions (laughs) <laughs> Great question, Kim. And, you know, I think um, there has been a lot of people who said, you know, we blew it last year. Uh, I've been doing this for more than a decade. I, you know, and for about the last 10 years, um, by the way, for those listeners who aren't familiar with this report that I do annually in Government Technology Magazine, you can get it. Lorman on Cybersecurity is my blog. You can see if you just type in security predictions in Google, it'll pop right up as number one. Because what I'm doing is it's not my predictions. These are the v- predictions of the top industry industry leaders um, from the top, you know, I, I rank them from the top companies. So we have FireEye, Trend Micro, um, WatchGuard, you know, lots of different, we'll go through the different vendors. But these these companies put out these reports. They do a lot of research, put a lot of time into it. Gartner, Forrester, I mean, and they put a lot of time into these. And then they put these out annually for free. And I just kind of catalog them. And, and we had a bunch of really big ones in 2019 going into 2020. So a year ago, right? But nobody predicted COVID. So, so the challenge was that the, the to answer your question, some people say, Dan, should we even be doing this? Because we totally blew it with COVID. Nobody predicted the big work, you know, going to work from home. You know, people, you know, some people said it would be more, you know, teleworking. But nobody predicted that everybody would be going home last March. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, clearly there's going to be things that are going to happen in 2021 that we're going to miss. The interesting thing I'll say to you, Kim, and I, and I was going back, most of the predictions that came out of those reports in 2019 going into 2020 were accurate. I mean, they talked a lot about the elections. Almost everything they said about the elections was accurate. Almost everything they said about um, ransomware and, and phishing and some of the things we talked about last hour, uh, last half hour, you know, uh, spear phishing. What were the trends around attacks of nation state hackers and large attacks? All of those were accurate. So um, I do think, you know, are we going to get some things wrong? Yes. But but these reports, it's not just about like guessing. These are educated um, teams that are seeing these trends all over the world. They're connecting the dots and they're saying, here's what we think is going to happen next. And we always talk about 9-11 going back you know, two decades. Should we have known about, you know, why didn't we put, you know, connect the dots that those people who hit the World Trade Center in the plane, you know, wanted to learn how to fly a plane, but they didn't want to have, learn how to take off or land, right? And we, we go back at that now in hindsight's 2020 and we know that we should have we should have been able to figure that out. Well, the same thing's true in cyber. I mean, you can look at a lot of these trends from the top companies and you can say, look, these guys know what's going on. They're seeing this out there and they're seeing what's happening and they're making these predictions. And I just say one last quick point on this. 
the listeners can gain industry knowledge. They can gain understanding of the trends. Um, this is free advice, direction, and insights in these annual reports. And it's an opportunity to become educated, to really teach yourself and learn more about what's going on right now in the world. And then also, you know, think about what's going to happen next. Well, I think before we get into some of these predictions, this is very similar to I had a conversation with Richard Steenan on a couple of episodes ago, who happens to be one of your friends, and he yep. does his his uh, cybersecurity yearbook, which um, I think your predictions, it, it seems like you guys are talking about the same type companies. So for any of you that missed that episode, you can find that on demand on my uh, and security and for all platform. I think it's super important you go back and listen to that because it ties into a lot of things that Dan is about to talk about. So so let's um, let's go and talk about some of these these 2021 industry prediction trends. You collected all these predictions. Um, there's a ton of them, so we're not going to have time to cover all of them. But what are a few of the major trends that kind of cut across a large number of the cybersecurity industry on your prediction reports? Yep, and, and exactly. So, uh, you know, almost all the vendors are saying these things. These are the things that everyone agrees on. I could also give a list of items that people kind of disagree on. But um, certainly everyone starts out, no big surprise, more big data breaches coming. I mean, we're going to see more nation-state attacks. Um, it's getting hotter, you know, smaller smaller um uh, nations around the world can feel like they, you know, they can't compete with the U.S. Navy or the Air Force or our space, you know, satellites, but they can compete in cyber. So everyone's getting into the game. More big data breaches coming. Ransomware is getting worse. It's evolving. We talked a little bit about that last hour. How it's also becoming, you know, kind of the the attack vector of choice because the bad actors are able to monetize that. There's a lot of specifics around how that's happening. Um, how people are, you know. One one vendor said, for example, um, that the home office is becoming the hub for the for the cyber criminals. Um, you know, literally, they're able to get maybe they maybe they weren't able to get into corporate networks, but they're able to get into home networks. Um, artificial intelligence. You know, as you start thinking about new technologies, one thing that a lot of these reports say, and if you dive into the details, again, these are free downloadable reports from all these vendors, and I'm just cataloging them and giving you links to them. Um, you know, you talk about all the new technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning. You talk about uh, 5G, um, you know, uh, faster network speeds. You talk about, you know, where things are going with broadband. Working from home is leading to major issues. Um, you know, that's, that's a big trend. Um, but back to AI, you know, AI is being used against people as well. So the bad actors have the artificial intelligence. What's happening is they're, you know, they're able to, you know, go in and automatically test with machine learning and scripts, but even going further to, to analyze your environment and, 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 and bait, almost like structure how they attack you. Um, another trend, uh, another big prediction everyone's talking about, the rush to cloud everything will cause many security holes, challenges, and misconfigurations and outages. This is a really interesting, Kim, be, be, um, uh, because... You know, most people say, certainly in, in COVID-19, more things have gone to the cloud. I mean, more and more companies are getting out of, they're having their own data centers. They're, 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 they're getting out of having their own servers. The philosophy of the mentality is, look, I can't do um, security as good as Google or Amazon Web Services, AWS. I can't do security as good as Microsoft. So I'll just put everything in the cloud and I'm going to be okay. Well, that's great. 
Because maybe those companies do have really good security, but you still have to secure your servers. You still have to secure your end-to-end business process. And so the cloud is not going to be the panacea that's going to solve all of your security problems. It may have security tools, but you still have to configure those those uh, those situations in, in meaningful ways. Um SolarWinds breach means many more shoes will drop. A lot of people saying that, you know, this is just the beginning. We haven't gotten all the information yet. Um, we know about the, the companies that, that, you know, maybe patched their systems and had the vulnerability. But are there other backdoors? More information is going to be coming. We're going to be hearing about SolarWinds all throughout 2021. Two more things real quickly. Identity, multi-factor authentication, um, MFA, um, will take center stage as passwords finally start to go away. A lot of people don't disagree on this. They say, no, we're going to keep having passwords. Uh, we should be changing our passwords. We shouldn't be reusing our passwords. But the real answer and a big tip we're, we'll close with today is multi-factor authentication. People need to use, you know, it, it, that's where you have a password, but then maybe you get a text to confirm that it's really you um, or you use that, you know, facial recognition. Um, the idea of having multi-factor authentication is very, very important and it's starting Starting to replace passwords. Um, and then there's some disagreements. There's disagreements around will we see a privacy regulation, will federal privacy law? Some people say yes, some people say no. Different states have different privacy laws. You know, in Europe, uh, GDPR, the, um, there's one big law in, in Europe that covers all the European Union. The U.S., we have lots of different privacy laws. There's differences of opinion about cloud will be the biggest threat versus mobile or critical infrastructure. Will there be a big cyber 9-11? Will there be a big attack against that brings down the internet, that kind of thing. And then there's also disagreements over which sector will be the hardest hit. Most people think in 2019 it was it was local and state governments. In 2020, the biggest sector hit was the hospitals and the healthcare. And there's different people who think different things will happen in 2021. Will it be banks? Will it be somebody else? Do you have that prediction of what it'll be? <laughs> Out of uh, curiosity. You know, I certainly I certainly think going into the first part of 2021, we continue to see healthcare kind of leading the list. You know, there's still, you know, a lot of attacks against trying to get that research, you know, with 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 COVID data, with with a lot of these um, vaccines. You have a lot of attacks, you know, nation states going after. Again, it's not just, you know, social security numbers and names and, and, and bank account information. It's also any data that they can use to give people an advantage. So it could be intellectual property. Um, it could be anything that, you know, they can gain access to. So right now, I mean, at the center stage at the moment is, is clearly still healthcare. Um, and, and I think, you know, the banks are clearly spending a lot more money. The insurance companies and banks are spending, you know, uh, sometimes two to three times as much as small businesses, sometimes even more than that. So, I mean, a lot of people do also think it could be the small businesses. The medium, the small businesses are easier targets um, than in some cases than the large enterprises. But, um, you know, it remains to be seen. I mean, I, I think I, I've seen a couple different predictions. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of up in the air. You know, with the home networks, you know, it's still, I, there's clearly a lot of attacks and a lot of um, announcements coming in the next few months about how bad actors were able to get into large enterprises. I'm talking Fortune 500 companies, Russell 2000 companies via home networks because people are working from home and may not have the right security in place to really protect those networks. 
Well, and that was one of the questions I was going to ask you early on. Could one individual from a Fortune 500 to a Fortune 100 company, could that person actually, you know, be the onset of a cyber attack by something they are doing? I mean, the simple answer is yes. I mean, you know, it's um, it's hard to believe. Uh, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, there's, there's kind of three ways that, you know, ransomware is the number one threat right now. And again, we talked about earlier having good backups, um, offline backups. But the bad actors are trying to get into your networks. They're trying to get in with fish or social engineering ways to get into your system. And, and it starts with that individual employee. If they can do that at home, um, however they can get into your system, um, or whether it's RDP, you know, remote desktop or unpatched networks, you know, which is what happened with Equifax, um, you know, they, they'll do whatever they can to get in. Once they get in, then they do a lot more. That's, you know, that becomes almost like, okay, now I'm inside the, the castle, if you will. I'm inside the wall. Now I want to go sideways. Now I want to get admin privileges. Now I want to, you know, kind of, you know, go sideways, stay low, um, gain more information and intelligence and then launch an attack and, you know, maybe not the, right away, you know, a- attack. Uh, I think um, most large corporations have better protections in place. They try and stop employees from, you know, clicking on links or they have protections to stop, you know, bad links from causing, uh, you know, um, ransomware or that kind of thing. The challenge is the bad actors are always trying to go around those, you know, again, looking at personal accounts, looking at that home account, that home PC that maybe not have as much protections if that's being used. If there's a way they can do that, then that's what they're trying to do. And I think the small to medium-sized businesses, the smaller governments, um, they're certainly at a higher risk because they don't have as much many protections in place. Uh, and, and, and they're certainly at a higher risk than, than the large enterprises, in my opinion. So let's kind of turn the corner a bit um, because we've talked about all these bad things. We probably have around 10, 11 minutes left. And let's give our listeners some 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 examples of what they can do. I know that you talk about um, about some of these exercises, yep. a few examples of these exercises that you can do. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, no, great point. So, you know, what is a tabletop exercise? First of all, you know, organizations should be, you know, they have to have incident response plans. One of the best things people, companies can do, um, small companies and, and large enterprises is what we run, what we call a tabletop exercise. So that's really, you know, having your plans and saying, you know, what if this scenario happened and having different scenarios and testing that plan and actually seeing what would you do? How would you respond and how would you, um, you know, how would you, uh, what, you know, who goes where, you know, you're, you have different people around the table. So you, you, everybody from the top leadership, you know, your, 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 your legal team, your technical team, your business process team, and in governments, this happens all the time, the annually or even semi-annually, you'd say, you know, um, what if, you know, you're, you're, you're getting everybody in the room and you're thinking through, not just kind of what would we do, kind of making it up, but here's what the plan says. If this is the scenario, if this is what happens, here's what we're going to do and have we thought through all the ramifications. Um, if we get hit by ransomware, for example, do we even know um, how we would pay if we would pay or, or, you know, how would we work with our cyber insurance 
Um, how would we work with all of our business partners and, and, and the different parts of the organization? How would we get business back up? How would we run the business? How would we communicate, which is central? How would we you know, get in touch with everyone because we have this outage or we have this problem? Yeah, and, and all the years I was in government and, and even the last five years with, with InfraGuard and other places, um, this is a normal part of business. It really should be testing out your plans and, and, and thinking about things in the same way we would like with COVID-19, with health, you know, what are you going to do around, um, you know, working from home? How are you going to make that work? What would you do if there was a power outage? What would you do if there was a cyber attack? What would you do if there's a ransomware attack? And really thinking through all of it and making sure everyone that's in leadership is around that table and is a part of that conversation. I guess a perfect example would be what happened in Dallas. I mean, that unfortunately, there was clearly not these type of tabletop exercises because nobody planned for that. So do you feel like these larger Fortune 500 companies, these security teams are probably so busy on a daily basis just trying to get through the attacks that they're, you know, everything they have to do. Do you think they are planning these type of tabletop exercises and doing doing the strategy that you suggest yeah i mean i would say kim that it's 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 a, always a mixed picture in my, in my experience it's you've got leaders followers and laggards right so you have a lot of people that are in fact doing this um you know maybe it's a third a third of a third and then you uh, some people that are just you know literally like you said they're putting out fires so much they're not able to fix the fire engine they're not able to fix the firehouse so the firehouse has got you know water leaking through the roof um so i mean you've got you've got um You've got all of the above, um, but it does it does yield results. Um, I've been a part of a number of exercises where we were able to predict things well in advance by going through scenarios. People thinking through this, there are people who can help help individuals do that. If you're in an organization that cares about this, go to NIST um, gov and, and it's specifically CSRC, the Computer Security Resource Center, csrc.nist.gov has got a lot of resources on how to do tabletop exercises. Um, I have a lot of blogs about this as well. We can talk about it in more detail in another show. But, but you know, I that, lots of stories. If we have time, I could I could share with you where some pretty amazing things you can actually by going through these scenarios almost predict the future because you can say if this is the scenario and this happens or this happens this is going to happen next and just kind of connect those dots and make sure your team is ready they're prepared they're trained and they're ready if something were to happen i can tell you in the, going way back you know i was because you know ages me a little bit back in 03 when i was in michigan government we had that northeast blackout and we lost power in michigan lost power in new york and we were, you know, several um, parts of Michigan were down for several days. And because we had a lot of plans in place from Y2K, from the year 2000, we were ready, not 100%, but we were about 80% ready. And we were able to respond in a lot of different ways. And, and we had thought through not everything, but we were prepared. And if you're prepared, you're so much just the same way that, you know, firemen practice putting out fires, you wouldn't just say, you know, give somebody a hose and say, show up, right? You practice. You have to do the same thing with cybersecurity. You have to, and by the way, it's not just cybersecurity. It could be any, it could be a, an ice storm causes a power outage, but now you can't run your business. Now what are you going to do? I mean, you need to be thinking about all hazards in your business, all risks, and how as a team are you going to respond to that? So 
as you have done some of these exercises, can you share, you know, a story of of how doing these exercises led to some lessons learned? Yeah, I'll give you one real quick one because I know we're almost out of time. But I, I would say that, you know, back in back in uh, t- t- 20, 2006, I'm going to take people back 14 years, a long, long time ago, 15 years now. Um, so I was the CISO in Michigan again. This was after the earlier story I told. And we were part of what's called Cyberstorm One. This was a global exercise. We did it with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. We had other states involved. We had the U.K. government, the Australian government, New Zealand was involved. It was a global exercise. And the, the, the easiest way to describe this for people, go out and watch Die Hard 4, Live Free or Die Hard. Um, that's really what happened. I mean, the first day of this exercise, bombs were going off. They blew up our data center. I mean, it was kind of over the top. By the way, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security does these every two years. We're up to Cyberstorm 7 now. So, and, they've, and they've toned it down a lot. But that first one, remember, was a few years after 9-11, and they were kind of over the top. So all these things were happening. They hacked our data center. They brought down this. They brought down that. The last day of the exercise, this went four days we did this, four days with our team. And we were seeing, you know, are we ready for, you know, what might happen? Well, they said to us, you've got to get a bull mainframe back up because we need we need a bull mainframe. They don't, I don't know if they even sell bull mainframes anymore. But that's B-U-L-L, bull. It was um, out of France in Paris. Um, we need a bull mainframe to be able to pay all of the uh, state employees. And so find and one of them had been blown up. The other one had been hacked. So bottom line was we, we had to get a bull mainframe. And then we said, well, how are we going to do that? They said, call, you know, look at the, look at your, look at your script. So we, you know, we, we went through the procedures. We picked up the phone. We called bull headquarters in Paris, right? So the guy on the other end of the phone's like, hello, you know, got thick, I can't imitate a, a French accent, right? So this guy, um, basically, um, he, long story short, he said, we'll, we'll sell you one. And we said, okay, we'll, we'll give you $12 million. He said, we won $45 million. We're like, $45 million? And, then, and everyone was screaming. And I remember the whole thing. And we, we negotiated it down to 23. And we went through this whole thing. We, you know, we got the bull mainframe. We, we ended the exercise. The next day, we did what we call a hot wash. A hot wash is a, is a rerun of the exercise. What, what are you going to learn? Good, bad, ugly. What happened? You know, what would you do differently? What were the lessons learned? And somebody raised their hand, a really good cyber pro who's a global leader right now, um, but he was on our team at the time, and he said, Dan, that whole thing with the bull mainframe, that would never happen in real life. I mean, they were holding us for extortion. Nobody would ever extort money for cybersecurity, right? And and uh, and we're like, yeah, and one guy, they were laughing in the back of the room. They're like, yeah, ransomware. And nobody had ever heard of that term before. They were making this up in a mocking way. Little did they know, like seven years later, ransomware would become like a top threat. And, you know, 15 years later, we'd be sitting here talking about how ransomware is the number one threat in the world with cybersecurity, right? I mean, my point is this, Kim. By running that exercise, these people were very smart in these scenarios. They had thought through what might happen, and we were able to see ransomware seven, eight, nine years before it even became a problem. Organizations, if you think through this, you know, what if this, what if that, what are these likely scenarios? How are we going to respond? Joe, where are you going to go? Mary, where are you going to go? Sarah, you know, Devin, what are you going to do? Thinking through that, you can prepare and you can be ready. So we are down to about one minute. If you had 20 seconds to <laughs> just just send um, our listeners one piece of advice, what would that be? 
Due to factor authentication, multi-factor authentication. It's easy, it's quick, it's free. You can't beat free, right? Less than one in four people in America uses it for Google, for Facebook, for social media. Don't just use that username and password. Even if you've got a tough password, somebody could steal it. And, and, you know, maybe not even your fault, the database could get stolen. So do, turn on two-factor authentication. It's very simple. Once you've got it set up, it'll be just as fast or faster as using a password. Everybody should do it right now. Do it for social media. Do it for your Gmail account, for your Yahoo. Use two-factor authentication. Amen. I agree with you. So, Dan, thank you so much for being my guest today. Um, listeners, they can find you at Dan Lorman on LinkedIn because I know you're very active and you answer those. So, thank you so much. If you joined the show late today, you can catch this um, episode on demand. So, thank you everyone for show, uh, joining today's show. We look forward to seeing you next week with another industry leader sharing how important security is for all. Until next week, stay safe and stay secure. for tuning into and security for all be sure to join your host kim hakem for another episode of the show next friday at noon pacific time and 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america business channel and don't forget you can follow kim on linkedin by searching for kim hakem that's kim h-a-k-i-m to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events <laughs>